with the 32nd pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast. I'm Fran Duffy, and I'm alongside Tony Pauline from DraftIslands.com. We are here at the Tropicana Field to preview the action for Saturday's East-West Shrine game. We begin things at the top of this week's show on Draft Buzz, where I talk with Tony about what we saw on Wednesday morning's East practice and talk about some of the matchups we're excited to watch taking place on this field here on Saturday. After Draft Buzz, we will then transition to pick six, where today Tony and I will talk about which six players helped their stock the most here this week. Not the best players but who helped themselves the most. After that, we will get to our unofficial visit where in today's show we will catch up with Nebraska running back Divine Ozigbo, who's one of my favorite interviews after practice this week. Then we will wrap things up with our scouting report segment where I will go through my notes on Rutgers cornerback Isaiah Wharton, one of my favorite defensive players here in St. Pete and a player who I believe is one of the best pure football players at the cornerback spot in this draft class. But enough of this. Let's get into the action here on the practice field and talk about the matchups to watch here on Saturday. It's time for Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, time to welcome in Tony Pauline. And, Tony, uh, we are here watching the very beginning of West practice, but I want to initially get your thoughts. Any players that stood out? Before we talk about the matchups that we're excited to see here on Saturday afternoon, who caught your eye in Wednesday morning's practice here with the E-Squad? Uh, some of the guys who showed spurts or played in spurts the first two days I was very impressed with. First with Ethan Greenidge of uh, Villanova. They pushed him into guard. He had a couple of nice uh, reps, a couple of nice downs where he showed great power. Uh, he's a big, thick guy, uh, strong at the point of attack. Play tackle at Villanova. I think his better pro position is offensive guard. I, I, this, I think he really displayed that this morning. Michael Dogby of Temple uh, was really on the mark this morning, made several nice plays. I agree. Terrific quickness, plays with excellent pad level, Yep. constantly around the action, good change of direction. Uh, I think a guy who's going to be a real good uh, Three technique tackle at the next level. And I was also impressed with the way Jesper Horsted uh, returned after what was a, a troublesome Tuesday because he did not play well yesterday. Caught the ball very well, was able to get separation. As I said with Horsted, I think what's going to happen with him at 223 pounds, 225 pounds, is you're going to have to put five pounds on him and turn him into a move tight end or H-back at the next level. But still, he rebounded well, caught the ball exceptionally well today during practice. Yeah, he had that one great touchdown catch in the back right corner of the end zone where he was diving in the back line uh, and made the reception. Really, really impressive grab there. Uh, I thought Sione Takitaki had another impressive day. Uh, there were a few guys I thought. And Terry Godwin continues to shine in the, in the slot and outside the, the former Georgia wide receiver, a guy who kind of took a back seat uh, in terms of production this season as a senior, but has certainly shown that he belongs uh, as one of the top prospects in this draft at the wide receiver position. I don't know that he's going to get a call up to the Senior Bowl next week or anything, but Godwin, I think, has shown really well here so far through the first three practices in St. Petersburg. All right, let's talk about some of the matchups that you and I are excited to see here because we've seen now this West team practice a couple times. We've seen the East team practice. I think, honestly, and just from a position group to position group, that East offensive line, to me, going up against the West defensive line, we'll talk about the specific players, but to me that's an interesting matchup that I think has the most talent on either side. Yeah, hands down. I also think uh, some of the linebackers 
on the West trying to cover Ty, uh, Ty Johnson of, of Maryland, who's had a good week, and, and some of the quicker uh, running backs from the East squad is also something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and then, you know, you look at uh, Divine Ozigbo, the running back from Nebraska. He's uh, taking part in practice right in front of us. I'm very, very, very interested to see how he looks against Taki Taki, you know, and, uh, the rest of that linebacking core for the East squad. Because Taki Taki, I mean, the, the, the one knock you have on him is that he's sub-230 pounds. You know, so does he have the strength to be able to bring down bigger backs? And Ozigbo, he is a bigger back. I mean, he, I know he's lost a little bit of weight coming into this game, um, but he still is a power back. That ab- ability to run through first contact is going to be very, very big for him going into this matchup. Power back or, or the ability to, to, to run around defenders. That's yeah. the amazing thing about him. He plays like a 205-pound back with his quickness. You know, I, I think the uh, Kansas linebacker Joe Deneen has had a very good week. Yeah. He's a little talking about undersized linebackers. He's a little bit undersized, but he's instinctive. He's smart. When he goes up against Ty Johnson in coverage and, and the runs, I want to see sort of the same thing. You know, does is he a guy who is able to tackle at the point of attack, or is he a drag-down tackler? And Ty Johnson has shown some incredible route-running and pass-catching skills today. Want to see if Deneen is able to stop him because, you know what, no one in, in, on the East squad, none of the linebackers on the East squad during the three days of practice have found the formula to even slow down Ty Johnson and pass-catching drills. Yeah, I think the other area where you might see a little bit of a mismatch here for in favor of the East squad is going to be those receivers. I mean, we talked about Terry Godwin. You mentioned Horst did kind of bounce back. Uh, Jamal Custis from Syracuse has had a nice week of practice. Those are big body, outside of Godwin, those are big-bodied kids. And, and, you know, do, do the West squad, do the West corners have anybody that can match up from just from a pure size standpoint? I mean, Jordan Wyatt is a little bit of a smaller guy. Blaze Brown, he's had a good week. Again, a little bit more on the undersized side. So, you know, are those guys going to be able to match up from a physical standpoint? That's going to be a very interesting uh, thing to watch here Saturday. I think you can also kind of turn that around. When you look at some of the uh, receivers on the West, Keyshawn Johnson, who's had a terrific oh, week. Raquavian yep. Tarver, who had a great Monday, uh, started off the week uh, well, then kind of kind of petered out. But he, he can catch the ball. He's, out, he's got ex- excellent size, about 215 pounds. John Duhart of Old Dominion, who goes about 210. You know, going to be playing against Derek Beatty, who's been up and down. Going to be playing against Jimmy Moreland, who's had a terrific season. Or I'm sorry, has had two, he had a terrific season, had yeah. two terrific days of practice. But he goes under six foot tall. Same thing with Rashad Fenton of South Carolina, who's had two good days of practice. But he, again, is about 5'10", 180 pounds. See how they do match up against those bigger receivers from the West. Let me ask you about Moreland, because he's a guy who has flashed every single day seems like a very, very competitive kid. I just worry about that size. I mean, he's he's definitely on the smaller side. He showed the ability to return punts this morning at practice. He's got that quickness. He definitely has that competitive streak, man. I mean, he's always like, if they're 30 yards downfield and the receiver's trying to, he's running from behind and trying to punch the ball out uh, at the end of a drill. I mean, he's he's just one of those guys that's always going 100 miles an hour. You know, it's not just his listed measurements. He looks small yes. when you see him on the field compared to some of these guys. You, you know, he looks like basically the little brother, but he plays tough like the little brother has to to get attention. The, the fact is this. He's not going to be a starting corner. You're looking at him as a potential, you know, dime back to start off his NFL career that's going to play over the slot receiver or play in his own system. Like you said, he's constantly around the ball. What he does, does so well is he tracks the pass in the air, which is unusual for a college receiver, For I'm sorry, for a college defensive back, and then he'll be used to return punts and kicks and could eventually, you know, grow into a, uh, a team's uh, nickelback, a buster screen. That's uh, how he developed his game, uh, a small school uh, corner. 
All right, so we talked about that West defensive line. And again, that's got guys like Daniel Wise, who's been outstanding, Dalen Mack, who was really strong this week, Chris Nelson from Texas, who had a very good week, going up against that East offensive line. The big names there, Ole Udo, uh, the, uh, the kid from Morgan State, Josh Miles, then you've got Ethan Greenidge from Villanova, all those guys, Lamont Gallard from Georgia have all stood out. But let me flip the script on you here, and I want to ask you about the East defensive end, your, your boy, Mateau Betts uh, from Laval. I, I love him on film. I just worry, does he have the physical traits to be able to be a top-tier pass rusher? Does he have that ability to be a full-time player in the NFL? Going up against this West offensive line, you just go through the list of some of these tackles. Trey Pipkins from Sioux Falls, Ryan Pope from San Diego State, Alex Bookser from Pitt, uh, Jackson Barton from Utah, Paul Adams from Missouri, Brian Wallace, Arkansas. A bunch of those guys have the ability to play tackle. How do you like bets against that group of offensive linemen? Well, we'll see. Most of those guys that you mentioned, you know, uh, the Utah tackle, Jackson Barton, Pipkins from uh, Pipkins from where's Pipkins uh, from? Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls, right, small school. They've had good weeks. Now, the thing about it is this, is I think Betts has shown all week he's a a terrific pass rusher. He can get off the edge and he can beat guys. What you want to watch is how he holds up against the run because now they're going to be basically it's going to be full pads, full contact until the whistle blows. And the whistle is not going to blow until the running back or the ball handler is on the ground and tackled. So you want to watch if how Betts or if he's able to hold up against the run when he's going up against these big guys or are they able to bury him and basically block down on him and engulf him at the point of attack. I think if he holds up... It's really gonna. It's really gonna help his draft stock if he's annihilated at the point of attack, and he, he comes out of this game out of this week as just a situational pass rusher. He's still ahead of the game, but it's not as good as it could be. Yeah, that's where I think you know with. There's the big difference between looking at these guys in practices and then in the game. Some of those positions where you just want to see the live action part of it. We can see how well, you know, Siona Takitaki, the linebacker from BYU, we can see how well he moves. I want to see how he finishes. Is he going to be able to finish one on one against Divino Zigbo, you know, in the hole? I, I don't know yet. That's, I'm very, very interested to see. To me, you, you mentioned that uh, with Betts. You know, if Ty Johnson, who's had a good week here and has made plays in space, if he shows the ability to finish runs against live action against some of these guys, I think that will be very, very impressive. Uh, and that's one of those things that you really can't – you don't know until we get to this point with running backs and linebackers. I'll go, just go back to what I said after Tuesday's practice when Taki Taki looked good. The thing with the linebackers is, especially in run defense, it's more two-hand touch. Yeah. You know, they fire through the gaps. They get behind the line of scrimmage. They touch the, the, the ball hand learn the play is, is dead. Uh, now he's going to have to square and wrap up and bring the ball, show that he can bring the ball carrier down at the point of attack rather than you know, be a drag down tackle or a guy that is unable to bring ball carriers down. They pick up a lot of yardage off the line of scrimmage. Same thing with the West linebacker who I spoke about, Joe Deneen. Same yeah, sort of situation. Sure. And, and Deneen was a good tackler uh, at Kansas. He was a guy who was constantly around the ball. But again, going against the bigger backs, you've got to show that you can do it in space and basically bring the ball handler down once you meet him. Which quarterback of this group do you think stands out the most on Saturday? Wow. Wow. Uh, I, I'm going to just say Easton Stick. And I'm going to say Easton Stick only because he's come through in the big game before for North Dakota State. He's a polished passer. He gets it between his ears. He's not very accurate. It's not been a good week for any of these quarterbacks. It's usually uh, a tough situation for some of these guys because, as we spoke about on Monday, they've just met their receivers for the first time and they're asked to complete passes to them in an accurate fashion right away. But, you know, the answer to that question would be Easton Stick based on his uh, past couple of years in college. All right, I'm going to ask you about a couple players here just to wrap this up before we move into pick six. I want you to just give me any buzz you've heard about these players because these are guys that just have piqued my interest. 
Have you heard any buzz at all this week on Michael Jackson, the corner from Miami? Dropping down draft boards, basically like an anvil thrown out of the window. He started strong on uh, Monday, but it's been he got beat by J- Jesper Horstead uh, down the field today, and Jesper Horstead is expected to run the four sixes. Just looks out of sorts. Uh, seems you know seems confused at times. Someone who people some people thought was a first round pick. I never did. I have him as a fourth round pick right now. He's looking to grasp onto the sixth or seventh round. One guy who's flashed to me is Kyle Lawrence Phillips, the defensive lineman from Tennessee, 6'4", 273 pounds, considered by some to be a little bit of a tweener. I haven't studied him all, but has flashed a little bit here this week. Started making plays today. I mean, when you, when you watch him, you can tell he's a very good athlete. And what he did was he started to transition that athleticism into playmaking ability, beating the offensive tackles, the big offensive tackles uh, from the East squad, you we're going to have to wait and see because there's not a lot of information on him as far as what his true uh, uh, athletic test, uh, testing is. If he gets a combine inv- invitation, which I would expect, 40 times, shuttle times, uh, things like that. I think right now you're looking at a mid-round pick. Could he go in the second day of the draft? I say no, but you know what? He can rush the passer, and, and that's a priority come draft weekend. What player here gets drafted first in April? Ooh, that's a good one. You know, coming into the week, I thought it was going to be Landis Durham of Texas A&M, but he's, he's not shown up. Okay. Yeah. okay? Yep. So it's going to be one of two players from the West. It's either going to be Daniel Wise. That's my pick. Uh, or if he's able to run in the 4-4s prior to the draft, it could be Keyshawn, Keyshawn. Johnson of Fresno State. But Speaking that's a big language. if. Yeah. But if we're going to leave the game, we're going to leave the week heading to the game, uh, it's got to be Daniel Wise. I mean, here's a guy. I mean, we spoke about it. A lot of people were surprised he did not get a senior bowl invite. And yeah. I said he was going to play with a chip on his shoulder, and he has. He's been absolutely dominant. And he's shown it in a variety of ways. You know, you, you watch him on film, you think he's more of a first-step lineman, but he's shown power. He's shown terrific hand technique and moves to get off blocks. So, so he's done it in a variety of ways. You, you want to pigeonhole him coming into the year or coming into the offseason as a three-technique tackle. I think he's shown that he can play a conventional tackle spot in a four-man line. All right, so that's the guy who Tony thinks is going to get drafted first. Let's talk now about the players that we feel have helped themselves the most. It's time for pick six. Now it's time for pick six. All right, Tony, pick six. We're going to pick six players that have helped their stock the most so far this week through three days. And really, this isn't necessarily the six best players, but the six players, again, that have helped their stock the most. And uh, I'll let you kick things off. Who's the player in your mind that has helped themselves the most so far in practice? It's got to be Mateau Betts of Laval in Canada. I mean, the Shrine game has, you know, Shrine game's known for a couple things. They have the tradition where they take the players to the uh, Shriners Hospital. They always invite a player from the Naval Academy and from uh, Army, and they always invite a couple Canadians, Betts being one of them. No one knew that much about him. He was not on anybody's radar, and he's just done nothing but turn heads since Monday. Explosive, fast off the edge, looks like a natural edge rusher, terrific pass rusher, fundamentally sound, uses his hands well, a little bit small, a little bit thin, but, you know, for, for a guy who really no one knew about or, or, or no one had any information on, he, after this week, Scout's going to be going back and looking at his film. They're going to be going up to Canada on his pro day if he doesn't get a combine invite to watch him work out. So here's a guy who went from a non-entity to a potential late-round pick. How did he look today? I didn't watch the defensive lineman at all today. I, I, 
he wasn't as good today as he was yesterday. He okay. may be wearing down a bit. Hmm. That's not unusual. But still, I, I mean, it wasn't sloppy play. It was still very quick, excellent fundamentals, great plays with great pad level, uses his hands well. We'll see what happens during the game after two days of basic rest. So it's, uh, it's a little bit of low-hanging fruit here, especially since we just talked about him. But to me, if you're the best player here coming in and you are the best player here when you leave – then you have cont- you have helped yourself, and I think that that's Daniel Wise from de- from uh, the defensive tackle from Kansas. You know, we've talked about uh, the what the, the things that he's done all week long, and I think really he leaves here as really the best player on the field. I'm really excited about Daniel Wise and his future here in the NFL. All right, Tony, uh, let's get to your second name. Who has really stood out to you? Josh Miles, the offensive lineman from Morgan State. Again, a guy who was not graded by scouts. Coming into the year, I had heard about him back in October. I was told to watch this guy. He came here, and he stepped up big time. It's a terrific combination of fundamentals, bends his knees, blocks with great pad level. I, I sound redundant when I say that, but you know what? That's what scouts want to see when they come to these games. They want to see if these guys can play with NFL type of techniques, and Josh Miles has shown that. He's shown terrific strength at the point of attack. Uh, he's, been, he's been an anchor. He was the only guy that's been able to kind of contain Chris Slayton of Syracuse, who's had a big week. I think Josh Miles is a guy that's gone from someone to watch into the middle part of the last day of the draft. All right, then I'm going to go same position group, same side. I'm going to go with an East offensive lineman and Ole Udo, and I agree with you. Josh Miles has certainly earned his keep here. I think Udo is in that same group along with Villanova's Ethan Greenidge. Uh, Udo is big. He's strong. He wins in different ways than Miles. Uh, Miles, I think, a little bit more athletic. But when you look at Udo, he absolutely looks the part. He's held up well in pass protection. Like Miles, he has also showed the ability to play both guard and tackle. I think Ole Udo has really helped himself so far here this week my final guy would be someone I just mentioned Chris Slayton I mean Chris Slayton from the word go from Monday's practice uh, has been has been impossible to stop I mean down after down I watched him yesterday just destroy Tyler Jones of North Carolina State on back-to-back snaps he's looked athletic he's looked quick He's shown the ability to start to apply the strength that he has to his game, really except for one bump in the road, and that bump being Josh Miles. Chris Slayton leaves the uh, leaves a senior ball with draft stock that's improved two rounds. Someone said to me that they thought that Chris Slayton was the best player on this field. I don't necessarily agree with that, but the fact is this is He's probably looked. He's definitely looked upon by scouts as a better player now than when he was a week ago. Yeah, and I'm going to go with Terry Godwin, the wide receiver from Georgia. Is he the best receiver here? No, I think that's Keyshawn Johnson. Is he the second best? You know, on film, I would say Demarcus Lodge probably a little bit better. But I think when you look at Terry Godwin, he's a guy who's created his own separation consistently each and every day here this week. He's caught the ball well. He's effortless at the catch point. I think that he's shown that he can be an NFL slot receiver. I'm I'm excited to see what Godwin tests like. Again, a guy that took a little bit of a backseat this year with all the other players that you know kind of uh, took the next step in that Georgia receiving core but Godwin certainly has helped himself this week all right well Tony uh, it's been a pleasure covering practice here from the east-west shrine game with you each and every day again you can always check out Tony Pauline over on draftanalyst.com he's always pumping out some great content there and other things he's got coming up here on philadelphiaeagles.com Tony and I recorded a quick senior bowl preview with some names to watch going into next week Tony and I will also be combining on a written preview of Saturday's game here at the Trop. So you can follow Tony at Tony Pauline. Check out all of his great work again at DraftAnalyst.com. Thank you, Tony, once again. Now, let's get to our unofficial visit. The unofficial visit. Here now with Nebraska running back Divine Ozigbo. And Divine, for fans who have yet to watch you play, give us a quick scouting report of yourself. 
Uh, I would say I'm a bigger back that, you know, kind of brings uh, the skill sets that smaller back can provide. So I try to be pretty balanced and, you know, like a hybrid type and, you know, just, you know, try to make plays when they're there. Yeah, that's what one, one of the things that stood out to me was your contact bounce, you know, that ability to stay alive off that first contact. Is that something that you've kind of always had throughout the course of your career, or did you kind of develop that as you got bigger and stronger? I definitely think it was something you know, like I had, but, you know, I had to develop it. It was one thing, you know, as the competition rises, your skill has to get has to match. So, you know, just being able to take the shots and, you know, keep going, that's one thing I'll be focused at in Nebraska, and that's one thing, you know, uh, slowly got better at. Man, what's one area where in talking with scouts that you feel, you know, I know I want to have to prove this over the course of the next couple months? Uh, it's honestly just uh, just showing overall that, you know, this past year that I had, the way my kind of career went, it was kind of three years of, you know, F and then kind of blew up. So I'm just, you know, trying to show everybody that this past year that I had is who I am as a back and, you know, that I can, I can bring that consistency to a team. What's one part of playing the running back position? Maybe fans don't necessarily think about, the media don't think about, but really, really important and something that you have to put a lot of time and effort into. Uh, just understanding the game within the game, which is like pass pro, yeah. and just knowing what the, the old line's doing, knowing what the quarterback's seeing, and like how you can help, and how you because like the faster you can identify, the better you can be at it. You can like, the blocks will be a little easier, you know, just getting smarter with the whole process. So doing that's one thing I feel like uh, it's it's hard to see from uh, from the stands, but as a, as a back, you got to focus in on it. Did that change for you with, with the change in system, or was that something that uh, just going through this part of the process do you feel like, all right, I know I've got to step my game up here? It's honestly something like I've always been interested in. Like, I actually like the pass I like the schematic, you know, the scheme of it, figuring out who i got to get. But, you know, just being quicker and being uh, better at the actual uh, block itself, I think that's kind of where, uh, you know, where the level has to rise, especially coming to the, this program where, you know, all the, these guys are future NFL players and just matching the speed and getting, getting it done right. All right, so i got to ask you now, the zone game, Gap scheme, what do you what do you kind of prefer? You feel like you could run either, but what what do you kind of lean towards uh, more in terms of your future success? I think uh, if it if I can run it at a gun, I, I like the zone. Okay. But you know, if uh, if it's a gap scheme where I got to hit something hard, just going straight at it works too. Yeah, it's, I figured you would probably be more the latter, just because the way you play. Uh, <clears throat> you had a nice shot there with uh, with Joe Deneen from Kansas uh, oh, yeah. in the middle of the practice yeah, today. Yeah, it was, it was a nice little pop. Is that something that that physical element that you feel like you know I've I've always kind of had that mentality. Oh yeah, sir. Like I'm not, I'm not afraid to hit. You know, I, you know, they always say in the breast, you know, run behind your pads, and that's something you know all the backs you know try to implement their game. And I kind of feel like you, that's something that if you're if you're doing it often enough throughout a game, it starts to wear the team down. Especially if you know you can do it a little bit longer, then you know that's when the big runs start happening. These four three yard games start turning into twenty, you know, thirty big big plays. So that's something I like, I like to do a lot. And then my last question for you: the Big Ten, a lot of really talented defenders. Who was there one? Was there one guy throughout the course of this season that really stood out to you? Oh yes, sir. Devin Bush. That man. Aside from the back, aside from the backers on, on Nebraska, yeah. Devin Bush is you know an opponent that I played that I had a lot of respect for. You know just because of the way he played, and how he went up, how he took uh, how he took advantage of things. All right, well, divine. Best of luck throughout the rest of this week and then through the rest of the draft process. Yes, sir. Thank you. Great stuff there from Divino Zigbo, but let's get things going here. Let's move on to our scouting report segment where today I'm going to read my notes on Rutgers cornerback Isaiah Wharton. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, Isaiah Wharton, six foot, two hundred and ten pounds, four-year starter at corner for the Scarlet Knights. His third for Chris Ash in that three-four scheme, rotated in and out at times at right corner. So he's got experience on both sides of the field. Lined up primarily in press man coverage, so he's used to being up at the line of scrimmage. He's got pretty good height with a thick frame, relatively short arms for the position, but he's got the ability to play up on the line of scrimmage. He's got a good feel for staying up on top of his man early in the down in press coverage. And considering his size, he's not a bad athlete. He doesn't look stiff. He 
He can flip his hips pretty well. He can turn and run. And when he's aggressive, he's got that play strength to be able to get a receiver off the red line and press them towards the sideline on vertical routes. He's a very instinctive kid, consistently takes good angles to the football or to the, or to the opponent, and he's got a good feel for feeling on, uh, breaking on routes in front of him in man coverage and staying in a receiver's hip pocket down the field. He's a very disciplined, safe zone corner, looks confident in what he's seeing, whether he's playing cover two, cover three, cover four, in all areas of the field. And he's got a feel for playing in phase and tracking the ball down the field and f- finishing for interceptions or pass breakups. Even if he lacks the athleticism to go up and get it, he's typically in position to be there and defend the throw, able to make a tackle one-on-one in the flat, and he will use his length to wrap up a ball carrier's lower half and wrangle him to the ground. And he was used as a blitzer at times from the boundary. Now, with Wharton, speed could be an issue, and that, that's something that could keep him from being a top-flight corner. He lacks that second gear when he's got to change direction and accelerate or to keep up with an opponent and break on the football. He does get into trouble sometimes at the line of scrimmage. If he doesn't get that jam early, he can get beaten over the top. When he's stressed over the top, he does have to throttle down and find the football. He can lose his balance or lose track of his man in coverage. He didn't have great production, considering the fact that he was a four-year starter, didn't have great interception totals over the course of his career. Very willing tackler, but he is prone to misses every once in a while, and he doesn't have any experience playing inside in the slot or at safety, so he'd be a little bit of a projection as a big nickel corner in sub packages. So uh, overall, though, when I look at this kid, if he doesn't make it, I think it'll be due to a lack of speed. I like the player on film, just not a high-level starter, but he's smart in all areas, plays faster than I think he'll time, and he's got a knack for getting the football on the ground. He will be more valuable to, to zone teams that prefer size, but he could potentially be a big nickel player down the road. I like him as a backup outside corner. So that's how I see Isaiah Wharton, one of the top prospects down here in St. Petersburg for the Shrine game. Again, great stuff this week from Tony Pauline and all of you out there listening, whether you're on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, or any of our podcast podcast platforms. Thank you again for listening, as always, to the Journey to the Draft podcast. I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week.